We are wrapping up uh, this series called Anchor Verses, and we've asked you before, I'm going to ask you again, have you enjoyed this series through the summer, going through some verses, trying to commit them to memory? Anchor Verses, through the wind and the waves, we need the Word of God to keep us anchored through the storm. Last week, Pastor Becca preached. Anybody enjoy that as well? My goodness. Preaching. Do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. And she preached through her testimony, but she preached through the keys of how to live without worry, without anxiety, without fear. It was awesome. I'd encourage you to go on either our app or rivervalley.org to watch that message back from last weekend. And uh, today we are going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 for the anchor verse. And this is written by Paul, the apostle, to the church in Corinth. And uh, they, they were doing some stuff. They were eating food that had been offered to idols and uh, different gods. And this was, this was a bad thing. And they had written back to Paul saying, hey, it might be bad for other people. We, we can, we, we've got the freedom to do it. It's okay for us to do this. And he's like, no, no, no. You're, you're going to fall into temptation if you keep up doing what you're doing. And uh, so today we are talking about the subject of temptation. The subject of temptation. And it's good to remember that Jesus Christ is the only one to never fall into temptation. Isn't that amazing? We're following him. He's the only one who never yielded to temptation. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Look for verse 13. That's going to be our anchor verse. But we're going to start in verse 6. It says, Now these things took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did. And 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did. And were destroyed by certain serpents, nor grumble as some of them did. That's a, that's a saying, we keep saying it as some of them did, and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. That's your anchor verse. Therefore, let uh, my beloved flee from idolatry. A couple quick hits before we continue, before we pray. One more time. Desiring evil is not your lot in life. You don't have to live the rest of your life desiring evil things. The things that that are within you that you desire or long to do, uh, maybe pre-Christ follower, before you gave your life to Jesus, that have hung on a little bit after giving your life to Jesus, that is not just your lot in life. What's been passed on to you does not need to cling to you. There are greater things. There is a way to live without desiring evil things. Isn't that amazing? You might think, man, I just got to hold on and hope I make it to heaven. You don't have to live your life like that desiring evil I love that it says as they did 
as they did. They're talking about the Israelites in the Old Testament. That they, 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 in one day, they, they were brought out of Egypt, but it took a lot longer to get Egypt out of them, as a pastor once said. As they did. Let's learn from who has, have gone before us. Let's learn, this is instruction to us, a different way to live. That if other people have fallen into temptation, let's look at their life, let's learn from their story, and let's live different. You do not have to desire evil. You do not have to fall into temptation. And if you're here thinking that this message is for somebody else, pay attention. Pay attention. Anyone who thinks that he stands, you think you're standing up strong, you're strong, take heed lest he fall. Title of this message, don't tempt me. Scare somebody right there. Don't tempt me. Don't tempt me. Don't tempt me. Sometimes you got to say that to the devil. Devil, don't tempt me. Sometimes you got to say that to uh, some friends, some people, some coworkers. Don't, hey, don't tempt me. And sometimes you got to say, don't tempt me to yourself. Sometimes it's, it's, it's betray, self betrayal, self sabotage. Kirk, stop tempting me. Let's pray one more time. Lord, I thank you that your presence is here. I thank you that as we dive into your word, I pray that it would come alive in our heart. Lord, I'm praying right now for people that uh, are playing with fire. Lord, that there would be a moment of awakening. Awakening. A freedom for people in this room or watching online, that have fallen time and time and time again into temptation. Lord, I pray for healing. I pray for deliverance. I pray for a new mind, a new mindset. Lord, full freedom from the things that tempt us. Full freedom from the destroyer that's out to kill and destroy our life. Speak to each and every person in Jesus' name. Everybody said Amen. This summer we've been having a fly problem in our house. And uh, anybody else? No, I'm just kidding. You're like, uh, but these flies have been getting in. And uh, so I'm not a fan of flies in the house. It's just, not, you know, it's not fun. I don't know if you enjoy it, but I decided to do something about it. The fly swatter's not good enough. Swinging with your hand is not good enough. It's not going to cut it. So I bought a salt gun. Not an, not an assault gun. Relax. Some people, somebody walked out right there. No, assault gun. It shoots table salt, kind of like a shotgun, and it spreads as it goes, and it'll kill the fly right in midair. You can find it on Amazon. Just don't do it while I'm preaching. And we've been taking out flies all summer. All summer. And uh, you'll, you'll feel on our windowsills just, just salt everywhere. There's just salt everywhere. All over our house. We got a, now we had a fly problem. Now we got a salt problem. Different problem. And as I was preparing for this message, I was in, um, I was in a coffee shop. And they also had a fly problem. And I'm writing this message on temptation. And this one little fly starts bothering me. And I didn't have my gun with me. And I just imagine, just go, this is where my brain goes. 
Just imagine this young little fly being raised by his parents. And they're teaching him, like, hey, watch out for the humans. Watch out. They, they, they don't like us. They're out to kill us. They are the enemy. You, you know, they might have some food. They might have some sugar. They might have some things. Like, you might even land on them and think their lotion tastes good. Like, but you got to stay away. You're going to feel all types of temptation to get close to humans. you got to fight that urge. you got to fight it. And this fly in the coffee shop uh, started slowly doing some flybys. You know, you know what it's like where you're just working, minding your own business, and he just starts doing some flybys and getting confident. So I swat, swat my hand and uh, kept missing him. You know, that's why I bought the gun. And, uh, and then he lands on the table, gets a little closer, and he's kind of walking. And I'm like, ha! And I missed him. And he got away. Now he's, now he's real confident. He thinks he's invincible. And uh, <clears throat> he ends up landing on my leg. I mean, this, it's boldness, you know. <laughs> he got away with doing the flybys. He got away with landing on the table, and I, could, I couldn't get him. He's moved, moving too fast. But he landed on my leg and he got too close. And wham! Got him! And I don't know if, I don't know if that offends you, killing flies. But you got, you got issues if, if uh, listen. <laughs> People like preach it like, but I don't know what the point is. Why are we doing this? Here's the point. The fly shouldn't have even been in the building. Shouldn't have even been in the building. He wouldn't have lost his life if he hadn't gone in the building. And when it comes to living our life as human beings, there are places that you, sh- you shouldn't be in the building. You shouldn't go through the doorway. You shouldn't put yourself in that situation. You want to know why? You might think you're playing a little fast and loose. You're getting away with this. You're getting away with that. Oh, you're a little bit stronger than somebody else. God gifted you a little bit different way to reach into this area of darkness, but you're doing it by yourself with lack of character and you shouldn't be in the building but you are and it is leading you towards death Woo! that little fly Proverbs 5 talking about the temptress the things that tempt us that are bound to kill says this 7 through 9 and now O sons listen to me do not depart from the words of my mouth Keep away from the temptress. Do not go near the door of her house, lest you give your honor to others and your years to the merciless. You lose your life. It's one thing to, uh, to battle the temptations in life. But sometimes you don't even need to deal with those temptations if you never entered the building. If you never put yourself in that situation. If you never walk through the door, stay away from the door of her house. You don't have to deal with the temptress if you stay away from the door of her house. I want to tell you about three doors real quick. Move as fast as I can. Three types of temptation. Three doors. And we read about it in Genesis chapter 3 where Eve was tempted by the devil himself. Later on, Jesus, as 
God, fully God, fully man, walking on earth, was also tempted by the devil in the exact same way. The devil doesn't have new tactics. So if he tempted Eve in the same way, Jesus in the same way, he will come after you in the exact same way. We're talking about three types of temptation, but let's read the story. Genesis chapter 3, 1 through 7. And now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the certain we may eat of of the fruit of the trees in the garden but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden neither shall you touch it lest you die but the serpent said to the woman you will not surely die for God knows that when you eat of it your eyes will be open and you will be like God knowing good and evil here's the three types of temptation so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food And that it was a delight to the eyes. And that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloth. There's a... Not enough time to go into the fact that when you fall into temptation, shame immediately falls on you. And you might read that story and go, well, wasn't the serpent right? Eve said that God said that we would surely die if we ate of the fruit. But the serpent says your eyes will be open. And the story says that their eyes were open and they didn't die. So who's right, God or the serpent? The reality is, The devil loves to tell you half-truths, that they would live a little bit longer, but God's initial purpose was perfection, was, was people living out in perfection for all eternity, immortality, which is what we'll have in heaven. But because of sin, physical death entered. And so they didn't die on the spot. Their eyes were open. Shame flooded in. They lived a long life uh, in the middle of trying not to sin again. And they died. Death happened. The three doors or the three houses of temptation. The first one is the lust of the eyes. The lust of the eyes. And it was a delight to the eyes. What are the things that you are looking at because it's a delight to your eyes? That you should not be looking at. Don't even go near the door. Don't go in the house. What are your eyes focused on? What are you thinking about constantly? Get your mind, get your eyes, as my dad used to say, out of the gutter. The lust of the eyes is the first door or the first house to stay far from. It's amazing how many battles you will win if you don't enter the battle. Don't go near the house. The lust of the eyes is like materialism. God's okay with you having things. This is John Bevere. But he's not okay with those things having you. The lust of the eyes. Door number two is the lust of the flesh. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I want to taste what that's like. Talking about pleasure. 
pleasure. We live in a world today just like the Garden of Eden where it was, it was but, but this would bring pleasure. Can't I have what makes me feel good? Why are you, why, God, why would you tell me that I can't do something that's gonna make me feel good? Aren't you a God that wants me to feel good? God, what are you doing? The lust of the flesh. It's the things that you desire, the pleasure of life. A lot of sin is just pursuing what will bring you pleasure in the instant. It's also privilege. It's easy, especially in our context, to uh, have a job, earn an income, and now you can afford things, and now you're privileged. You're pri- you're pri- I, can, I can do that. I can buy that. I can do- and now, now you're acting like you're on your own rather than God being your provider. Now, now, because you earn an income, which comes from God in the first place, you say, why do I need to consult God? I can, I can pay for this. I can do this. I can go there. And there's privilege that could destroy your life. Again, God's not against things, you having things. He's against the things having you. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh. Stay far away from that house. And the third door or the third house is the pride of life. And that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. I'm going to gain wisdom. I'm going to grow. It's egotism. It's I'm going to be the man or I'm going to be the woman. I'm, I'm number one. I'm going after this. Stay away from things that are going to build you up in that way and build yourself up in Christ. The identity that you have in Christ is far greater than any identity you could build on your own. All three doors, all three houses are idolatry. Which Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. Don't fall into temptation eating food offered to idols. But you can put in all idolatry. Stay away from these types of temptation. Don't enter the house. Don't enter the door. It could lead you to death. You might make it out once. You might make it out twice. But you can't Uh, Live your life thinking, I'm just going to get away with it the rest of my life. It's not worth it if it kills you. It's not worth it if it disconnects you from God. One way to fight is with the armor of God. One way to steer clear from those tempting doors is to put on the armor of God. Finally, be strong in the Lord, Ephesians chapter 6, and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. There is a destroyer out to destroy your life. I remember Adley the other day, our oldest, uh, she's six years old. She came uh, home from playing with a friend and she ran in the house and I was like, Adley, what are you doing? And she's like, I'm getting something. But I could tell like there's like, yeah, but she was like hiding it from me. Like, what do you, well, what are you getting? You know, you're six, what are you getting? And she's like, dad, I'm just getting something. She was playing with her friend and I could tell she was a little bit agitated, a little bit frustrated. And I asked again, what, you need to tell me, what are you getting? You're not gonna go back and play until you tell me. And she goes, dad, I'm putting on my armor of God. I thought, I thought my friend was lying to me and I needed to come home. I told her that I was going to get something and I was coming to get my belt of truth. Isn't that awesome? Woo! Put on the armor of God. 
It'll help you steer clear of the doors. That's the introduction. And now let's get to the message. Three things, three things God is doing while you are being tempted. I think this is a different way or a different angle of fighting against temptation. Because here's the deal. You're not going to, as you live this life, we read about it. It's common to man. We read those words. These temptations are common to man. Because you're human, you will face temptation. So you're not going to stay out of every temptress house. It's, I mean, please stay out of those houses. But, but what I'm saying is you will, as a human, you will be tempted. It's going to happen. And so as much as we want to stay as far away as possible from the things that may tempt us, as a human, we will face temptation. And so what should we be doing? Armor of God's a good one, but I would love to spend the remainder of this time talking about three things that God is doing while you are being tempted. Because sometimes in the middle of temptation, you start to think like, what do I got to do? I got to, I got to, I got to, I got to, I got to make this happen. I got to set myself free. I got to stop doing this. I got to start doing this. I got to do a bunch of things. But I think that, that what might set somebody free today is remembering that God is up to something. God is at work. He is moving. The first one is remembering. It's going to sound super basic. You're going to go like, yeah, we, get, we get that one. But you need to remember in the middle of temptation. While you are being tempted, in the act of being tempted, that God is, number one, with you. God is with you. When the destroyer shows up, God's already been there. God is with you in the middle of temptation. Think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Everybody else is bowing down to the golden idol. Everybody else, think about that type of temptation. Not everything is like a temptress, but this is like temptation because I'm going to lose my life if I don't bow. Everybody else is bowing down, and this is good for 2021. Everybody else is bowing down. Now I feel this temptation to do so as well because I'm going to lose my life. And they choose not to bow down, and they're thrown into the fiery furnace. It's a good point just to say. That as a Christian, sometimes there are fiery furnaces that you will go through. The cool thing is that they were not alone, but Jesus was with them. Looked like an angel. I believe it was Jesus with them in the middle of the fire. There were three thrown in the fire, but four in the middle of the fire, not touched by the fire. You need to remember in the middle of temptation that God is with you. He's with you. Along with the temptation, he will provide his presence. And number two, what is God doing in the middle of temptation? He is providing you a way of escape. You are not trapped in the middle of your temptation. You are not on your own. He's with you and he's providing a way out. As soon as you are being tempted by whatever is tempting you that you know you shouldn't look at, shouldn't do, shouldn't spend time with, shouldn't message, shouldn't open the app, shouldn't go there. Whenever you are feeling these temptations, shouldn't I, I, I know that I shouldn't do that. You should be well aware that God is with you and he will provide an escape. He will provide a way out. He's with you and providing a way. As come the temptations, as comes the way out. That, that language, 
talking about he will provide a way out is, is similar to like uh, an army that is surrounded on all sides. The enemy is coming in and is going to destroy. We, we're going to lose because I am surrounded from all sides by an enemy. Think about Moses and the Israelites being chased by the Egyptians. And they're now stopped at the Red Sea. And so they are surrounded on all sides by the Egyptians and now by the Red Sea. I'm pressed. That's what temptation's like. That's what it can feel like. I've got no, I, I found myself now in this situation and I can't get out. But God made a way through the Red Sea. Through the Red Sea, God will make a way out. Another, uh, another way out of escape, there's, there's two ways out. One is God opening it up. Another one is running for your life. Run for your life like Joseph and Potiphar's wife. I'm not going to read the story. But Joseph was tempted and he ran for his life. It landed him in jail, but it did not kill him. And God's purpose was still achieved. God's purpose was still achieved through Joseph's life. Paul's antidote to temptation is there is always an exit from temptation because God is faithful. So endure, press on in his faithfulness. Paul's antidote to idolatry is flee. Run for your life. Sometimes you need to elevate the temptation, the thing that you have fallen into time and time again. Think it's no big deal. It's no big deal. It's no big deal. Like that fly thought it was no big deal. No, I've done this time and time again. Day after, I don't know how many days they live. They're young. I don't know. It's no big deal. But you need to elevate the temptation. You need to elevate that situation as if you're going to lose your life. And it's going to help you say, I need to run for my life. I need to make my way out. Second part is God providing a way is that he's going to help you endure. We're getting ready to close. He's going to help you endure. That word endure as it's translated, it really means uh, to bear by being under. Think about like a heavy weight, like to bear by being under. You're, you're like under this weight. In the middle of being tempted, I'm being tempted and it's like this weight on my shoulders. What am I going to do? I just want to give in. And God wants to give you strength. 2 Timothy 3, 10 and 11. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yet from all of them, God rescued me. God will rescue you as you endure. If you can't run for your life, you endure. You fight back by holding on. I'm talking now about self-control. If, you, if, if things make you angry, I'm thinking about like at home or raising kids and you're like, you're like, you're about to lose it. You're about to lose it. God will give you the ability to endure. And I'm not trying to paint parenting in a bad light. I'm just saying there are situations, there are circumstances, not everything's like a temptress, but we go into temptation to just give up. And just lose it and say what you want to say. Or do what you want to do. Or just give up and say, I'm going to let the enemy have this one. But God wants to give you the power to endure. I think about Moses raising his arms. And, and, and they were in battle. The Israelites are in battle. And as his arms are lifted, the, the, the battle's being won. As his arms fall, 
because he can't endure it. He's getting tired. I can't endure this as his arms fall. The battle's lost. But God will provide a way of escape. He will provide a way, not just the army running for their life, but with Aaron and her and people in his life to lift up his arms that he may endure so that he would find victory. God wants you to endure, not just run for your life as a way of escape, but sometimes the way of escape is him giving you supernatural endurance not to give up. There's, there's a book called uh, Unbroken, and it's the story of Louis Zamperini, and he was an Olympic runner. Amazing story. But then he becomes, uh, goes in the military during war, World War II, and he becomes a prisoner of war. And in this, in this prison, in this encampment, he's on starvation rations, and he's having to carry uh, massive bags of coal off these coal barges. He's skin and bones. He's got nothing left. This is an Olympic runner. He's got nothing left. And he, and he takes a break and kind of leans up against this pole a little too long. And they, and they, they see him. And this Japanese commander sees him taking a break. And this is the same commander that had beat him time and time again. Made him kind of like this special toy that, that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make an example of him. You think about Louis Zamperini. I've got, I've got nothing left. I'm skin and bones. I'm carrying these coals. I cannot do it. He took a break, and this commander says, get over here. And he has him pick up a six-foot plank, wood plank. He says, lift it above your head. I just built a deck, and these, these pieces of wood are heavy. Lumber's expensive, too, side note. Lift up. Lift it above your head. And he tells he t- tells his officers next to him, if he, if he lowers this plank below his head, shoot him. Think about that. And this is how I'm thinking about temptation. It's not just the temptress. Although let's not be tempted by her, by him, whoever that is, whatever that is. It's not all just sexual immorality, although let's live pure lives. But I think about tempted to give up. God will provide a way for you to endure. And Louis Zamperini, skin and bones, lifts up this six-foot plank above his head. And uh, it's well-documented. It's now in a movie. You can watch a movie. It's a powerful scene. And he holds this six-foot plank above his head. Think about, like, how, like he's like, I'm just, I'm just going to give up. I got nothing left. I got nothing left. I, I, I'm, I, I, I'm going to give up. Think about that. Like, just tempted. It'll all be over if I just drop this thing. I'm not, I won't even feel it. Think about all those thoughts. And he held that plank above his head for 37 minutes. And it was the Japanese commander that broke before Louis broke. He let him keep his life because of such an act of strength, of courage. He got to live his life and he made it home. He lived into his 90s. It's an amazing story. But that same story God wants to give to you. That whatever temptation comes your way, he wants to provide you a way of escape. As we get ready to close, I'd love for us to just bow our heads and close our eyes. With your eyes closed, the last thing that God is doing 
is sanctifying you. He's working on you, in you. When we are tempted and we're going through temptation, it's easy to focus on, what, do I, what am I doing? What do I got to do? I got I to try harder. I gotta, I'm not this time. I'm, I'm going to do better. I, I'm, I promise. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it happen. I, and instead of focusing on, on, on all that, focus on what God is doing. God is working on you, in you. Sanctification, the process of making you holy. You will get there to completion when you make it to heaven. But in the middle, we're in the middle. We're living out day by day. God is sanctifying you. The desires that you once had do not need to be your desires forever. He can free you from the thing that you go back to time and time and time again. He can change your desires. He can free you. It's not just you making yourself holy. It's God in you by the power of the Holy Spirit making you like Christ. He is at work. Think about it as a Christ follower. Think about who you once were and who you are now. You're not perfect. You know that. But you are not who you once were. That is the power of the Holy Spirit and he will continue his work. God is with you. God will make a way. God is working on you with our heads bowed and eyes closed. Lord, we thank you that you are with us in the middle of temptation. Lord, I pray for anybody facing temptation. We all face it at times, but specifically somebody that's just, they, they, it's like they can't win. They can't escape. They can't make the right decision. God, I pray that they would know that you are with them and you are providing a way out. A way to endure. I pray they'd be encouraged that you are at work in them. Lord, I pray that people would be set free from sinful desire, from wrong way of living, wrong way of thinking. I pray they'd be encouraged that you are with them. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.